You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Today's guest is Keith Clements, who is the current Competition Secretary, Webmaster and former Chairman of the Jarrett Car Club. Keith has owned his Jarrett Jupiter since 1969 and has competed in 27 countries with the vehicle over the years. Keith has also made major trips in Jarrett's across the USA, Arctic Circle and the east and west coasts of Australia and Tasmania. In addition, he has toured the north and south islands of New Zealand again in a Jarrett. Keith also helps to organise the fleet of Jarrett's that act as taxis for the Goodwood Revival. On the club side of things, Keith has been a major part of the team that has been a three times best stand winner at the Practical Classics Restoration Show. In 2012, Keith was voted Classics and Sport Car Club Personality of the Year. The club also won the title of Club of the Year in 2013. Keeping things in the family, Keith's daughter won the Classic Car of the Year in her own self-restored Jarrett Jupiter in 2010. Good afternoon, Keith, and thanks for your time. Oh, hi, Kevin. Yes, uh, it's good to spread the word on Jarrett. It is indeed. It's, um, it's a car that I've seen a little bit of over the years but never really delved too far in and when I was doing some research for this interview it is an interesting story indeed so um, I'd like to take you to your if you like your earliest memories of vehicles or your earliest automotive memory at this point yes um, well unlike a, a lot of people um, my memories of childhood are very sparse I'm not quite sure why um, my parents didn't get a car till I was about seven or so um, and early journey, journeys were with relations whose cars struggled up some of the Devon Hills where I was brought up. Um, my dad's first car was a massive Woolsey 680 and then uh, progressed to a Riley 1.5, uh, which is a little bit sporty, and I learned to drive on that, doing well over a 1,000 miles before I passed my test uh, two months before, after my uh, 17th birthday. Um, I, I can remember doing the tappets on my great-uncle's Austin 7, I think, when I was about 15, but no other work on cars, although I probably helped uh, my dad. Uh, so I'm not sure how I later acquired such a mechanical passion. Um, my love of driving probably came through being in a pop group when I was 13 and driven around by the manager in a beaten-up A35, uh, brushing both sides of the narrow Devon lanes when going to gigs and parties. Um, then uh, I was off to Liverpool University to do the same course in mechanical engineering with a school friend with whom I travelled. Um, his uh, minivan took us on an ill-conceived journey to Vienna at Christmas uh, to visit my exchange friend. Uh, we were stuck at the bottom of the Alberg Pass on the way back and slept in the, in the van in minus 25 uh, centigrade uh, weather. We were woken up uh, by the snowplow in the morning, uh, which we followed over the pass um, on summer tyres. Uh, and this was my initia- initiation uh, for international motoring. I guess you were lucky you didn't get run over by the snowplow, I <laughs> Well, we were parked off, off, off the road. Um, oh, and uh, yeah. uh, interestingly, um, I had a beard at the time, and uh, my beard was solid ice. <laughs> and the whole yeah. of the car was... Um, was coated in about a quarter of an inch of ice oh, as we've been breathing out to you over the Lucky night. Lucky escape then. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, we didn't feel the cold in those no, days. No, I think, think we felt anything, actually. This is true. Um, now, the, 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 the sort of same year, I, I went on summer vacation uh, uh, when I worked on a farm in Ontario, uh, in Canada, where I found a VW Beetle languishing, rusted, solid in a barn. Um, I unseized the valves and the brakes, insured it, and phoned a girl I'd met on the plane to see if she wanted to travel to the lakeside for the weekend. Um, I was in search of some salmon. I love salmon, but uh, I don't like fishing. Uh, 
but it was the wrong season that we ended up doing 7,000 miles in search of it. Uh, the story is a long one, of course, uh, with the car failing in some way almost every day. It took us overnight over the Rockies to the north uh, of Jasper, uh, where there was only a track with planks of wood as bridges. The Beetle's suspension broke in Oregon on a hairpin, and the car rolled a few times. The car's wiring melted uh, going across the Mojave Desert, and the distributor gear stripped just outside Amarillo. After this, I had to drive 23 hours a day for three days to get back to Toronto to catch the plane. And this had been my initiation into fixing cars. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, with the roll, you're lucky to... Um, the roll sounds an exciting um, <laughs> portion yes, of the journey. Was, you're lucky to get out of that. Yeah, our heads hurt a little bit, because um, uh, I don't think there were any seatbelts in those I days. I was just uh, going to ask if it was pre-seatbelt, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, yeah, but luckily the the Americans sort of dragged us out. We were sort of stuck in the car a bit, I think. We landed on the side, and, um, yeah, they dragged us out of the ditch. Um, it was sort of dented on the roof and everywhere, but uh, nothing really major. Um, the, uh, as I said, the rear suspension broke, and I had to uh, hitchhike into the nearest garage, which is about 65 miles away, um, to get uh, um, one spanner and one new um, upper link uh, um, oh, for, for the suspension and uh, with that one spanner which I've still got a huge <laughs> uh, huge thing because um, I wasn't carrying any tools of course right. <laughs> and um, yeah fixed it and uh, carried on driving Wow, they were tough old things. I mean, that was part of their kind of advertising shtick when they went into the States, weren't they? The fact they would float and you could beat them to death, basically, and they'd carry on going. And I think you, you're kind of proving it there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it gradually lost cylinders. In fact, uh, when we got back to Canada, it was on, only on two cylinders. And um, going on the, on the bridge uh, uh, across uh, between the border. It's quite a sort of humpback bridge, a very big one, and, and the car wouldn't make it over. And the cure traffic sort of piled <laughs> up behind us, and, and some other people got out, pushed us over, and we rolled down the other side into the border post. Uh, <laughs> I never thought they'd let us in, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I said, I can go on for hours on this. Yeah, what's, what's quite interesting is that uh, over the last uh, couple of years, um, uh, um, as, as you mentioned, sort of in the intro, I've, I've done a couple of long journeys. Um, um, and one of these... Um, was travelling down the old route route 66 uh, in a in a friend's javelin when we did a 7000 mile journey from California to Carolina and back and of course i i remembered uh, um some parts of that journey as we travelled the whole route 66 because in those days the interstates weren't built it was just six of <laughs> me and my wife did it in did it a few years back and we were have struggling to find parts of the old road i think things have improved a bit now because they realize what a valuable tourist thing that they've got there if they fix the old parts and at times we had to use parts of the interstate because obviously the old um the old stuff had gone so yeah well, we, we we found that the in fact they haven't actually um repaired that road very much and we started traveling back on more of it but it eventually gave up because mm. it was hammering hell out of the uh, the car it was yeah. uh, really big potholes so yeah. yeah and um yeah and this this well last year now uh, as we we're into the new year mm. um it did a, another journey which was um from los angeles uh, to the arctic circle and back uh, once again another some seven thousand miles in the right. same car as we went from coast to coast. And That's amazing, because we did the... I did this, the San Diego up to Seattle and didn't go as far as, as you did, anywhere near as far, and it was 
it was hard work in a modern car, so that's quite impressive, I must say. <laughs> well, we made it even harder because we started off um, uh, going up over over through uh, through Death Valley and, yeah. and and Bakers and so on, right. and we're the, the temperature was 108 uh, Fahrenheit, mm. um, wow. which is quite a struggle uh, at 7,000 feet for a, for a, for an old car. And um, uh, amazingly, uh, you know, we actually suffered some punches because of this because the 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 um, Oh, and the other other interesting thing was uh, we stayed at a place called the Clown Motel, a um, uh, brilliant place. Uh, and uh, when we came out in the morning, we found the weights had, had melted and come off the, the wheels. Uh, incredible, it was that hot. Anyway, wow. <laughs> so we, 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 really the only problems we had on, on that journey were, were tyres. Uh, obviously, the roads were uh, uh, hundreds Horrible. of miles of gravel yeah, yeah. and this type of thing as we, as we got up into... British Columbia and it's a testament uh, to the, the engineering, though, isn't it? Well, the javelin's got some brilliant, uh, yeah. brilliant suspension on it. Anyway, yeah. Um, why, why a javelin? I suppose would be my next question. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those um, one of those moments. I guess I was uh, sitting in the in the either in the cafe or the bar. I can't quite remember when I was a student uh, at Liverpool University, thumbing through the exchange and marked the car classified ads. I suppose I was looking for a car, basically. And I saw an ad for a Jarrett Jupiter. I ain't got a clue what these were, but uh, luckily a fellow student with a Riley Pathfinder enlightened me as to what it was, uh, and we went off to see it. Um, of course, I bought it on the way back. The main bearings failed. Um, luckily, the seller agreed to pay the cost of the parts, um, uh, and I think I paid the princely sum in the end of about 40 quid for the car, so not bad, eh? No, <laughs> and I ended indeed. up uh, <laughs> rebuilding the engine uh, with a reconditioned crankshaft. Uh, but I only had a, a, a big, I'd gone to the university library and uh, managed to get an exploded view of the engine, um, which is all I had really to, to It might be a, a good point here for the listeners to explain the difference that you might have had with that engine compared to everything else around that time, and still, to a degree, the difference in that type of engine too. Yes, I mean, the, the, the Jowett is, is really very unusual because it's an aluminium split crankcase, uh, horizontally opposed uh, four-cylinder engine. Um, and uh, it's held together basically by, uh, by six bolts, uh, which was one of the problems I had because I couldn't find the six bolt. It's actually hidden under, underneath what's, what's called the balance pipe between the, mm. the two halves of the engine. And I couldn't find that, and I was trying with chisels and everything, trying to get the damn thing apart, and it, it wouldn't come. <laughs> Eventually, uh, um, you know, I managed to get it apart. But yeah, those are the uh, the, the, the little things when you haven't got a, a workshop manual or anything. Um, Learning and, experience. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, and of course, being aluminium and in, not particularly um, uh, brilliant aluminium, uh, it, it does uh, it did you know over the years suffer from corrosion and this mm. sort of thing because I guess this was. Uh, before the days when people understood uh, about uh, antifreeze and inhibitors and all this stuff. Yeah, and I, I, you say you were doing that whilst the Apollo crew were landing on the moon, so that's going to be 68, 69? 69, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah the, uh, I was actually rebuilding the engine in my mate's front room, um, uh, and uh, when I was installing the engine, it was sort of outside the, the front room window, and I was watching uh, the Apollo crew... Um, landing on the moon um i think it was at night i can't exactly remember mm. i certainly remember working on the car quite late at night trying to trying to put it back together um and uh yeah so all these little problems uh started um, my uh, sort of uh, 
40 years of frustration with Jarrett. And it continued because I then had to um, go back to Devon uh, before I started my uh, job in um, in Bedford. And uh, along the way, I discovered quite a few more, more issues, including one of which was um, the exhaust pipe falling off at the manifold. And, uh, of course, travelling late at night through uh, some cities. It was uh, very, very loud. And I had quite, a, quite a headache by the time yeah. I got home. Yeah. Yes, and... Uh, uh, you know, problems did continue. I, I, uh, I um, a few months later, um, uh, I'd started living in, in, a, in a bedsit in Bedford, and, uh, and the gearbox had failed just spectacularly on the A6, blocking the road. And uh, uh, once again, I started to rebuild the box in, in the bedsit. Uh, didn't have a garage, and uh, uh, and the landlady didn't take too kindly with that. She really threw me out of the bedsit. <laughs> Um, but lucky for me, there was a girl at work who offered her dad's garage to work on it, yeah, and, uh, and so I took it round there and uh, and managed to fix the gearbox. And uh, yeah, this girl had obviously fallen in love with the car, and uh, and she eventually uh, became my wife. So she t- took a bit of a liking to you as well, then. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think it was the car all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've got to say, I was showing my wife some of the pictures and stuff, and I showed her a picture of a Jupiter yesterday when I was showing her the notes. I had. She said, what a beautiful car, and that's no word of a lie. She actually said that to me yesterday. So there you go. you got the definite bag magnet. It's time for a break, and we'll be back with our guest, Keith Clements, shortly. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We're with Keith Clements from the Jarrett Car Club here in the UK. I, I was working shift work at the time, and I, I used to uh, finish uh, finish um, the shift and, and go um, and go to the nightclub, um, sort of at ten o'clock at night. And uh, I used to take the Jupiter there. And I can remember one occasion I had seven people uh, giving them a ride ride home in it which, if you imagine, it's really only a two, perhaps three-seater. <laughs> it was quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we had four people sort of sitting around the hoop of the... Uh, that's the fun, isn't it? Of the hoop. Anyway, so that's uh, lo- lots and lots of memories with the mm. car. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the to carry on, really, with um, my early years, 
1987, I started racing and, uh, and uh, competing in national inter international rallies in my Jupiter. And although I spent about 10,000 hours uh, preparing and then repairing the car after races and rallies, um, it's never been restored. And, uh, yeah, and after 65 years of, of this, uh, the car's never been off the road. And it's been abused with sort of gravel on the Welsh forest stages. And remember coming back after one rally and the whole of the underside of the car was brilliant shiny metal where the, the gravel had taken all, every, all the paint Blasted. Off. Yeah, and mm. uh, a, a, kind, a, a kindly um, guy just outside Fez, a kid just outside Fez, put a huge rock, um, uh, Fez in Morocco, that is, for our international work guys, um, put a huge rock in the middle of the road and luckily I put a sump guard on and we were flying through the air literally in the car. And came down right on top of this uh, this rock, and uh, that sort of dented the chassis. Did little. you did you drive it out to Morocco, or did you ship it? Yes, yes, you yes. The, it was a rally that it's a Pirelli marathon that started uh, from Versailles Palace um, in, in in Paris, France, and um, yeah, we travelled all the way through the uh, uh, France. In fact, the the suspension broke in the Dordogne on a on a very deep pothole, and. Um, uh, on a special stage that was, and I um, uh, had to uh, had to drive to the end of the stage with uh, one wheel sort of hanging off and very little brakes. And some of the competitors I overtook didn't quite realise I hadn't got any brakes. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, man, at the end of the stage, a, a farmer sort of uh, helped a little bit. And we managed to wire the suspension back on, and uh, then there was a. Um, uh, an end of day, end of lake uh, uh, section uh, in, in a place called Carcassonne, which is a lovely, a lovely um, city on the Spanish-French border. And uh, I was there busy trying to take this uh, torsion bar out, and I'd seen this guy um, walking his dog, uh, and, uh, and about half an hour he came back. We were still struggling. I think we'd flattened various batteries out of the, the, um, the drills that we were using to try and drill out the stud that had broken. Um, anyway, he, he came back past walking his dog. He didn't speak any English, but luckily my daughter, as my navigator, um, spoke a bit of French, uh, and, and uh, he took my daughter off with the, with the part and came back about an hour later having made a new part for me. He's laid at home. And this guy was an ex-Paris-Dakar mechanic. Ah, so he knew what he was doing. Perfect. <laughs> That's the, the ideal person to happen upon. So, so yeah, that was that, that, was that Pirelli marathon. Uh, and then uh, we managed to get uh, go, get through a sandstorm in the Sahara Desert. And that's really frightening when you're driving an open-top car uh, in a sandstorm, I tell you. Well, Luckily, I prepared the car for it, but I hadn't prepared us. We hadn't taken dust masks. So oh, no. The car got some, um, you know, superb... Um, so I, I used um, vacuum cleaner bags over the air inlets and put those oh, on. Okay. And, uh, and that worked. Anyway. And the poor old car's been through snow and ice in the Scottish Highlands and various other places. Uh, it's had uh, various excursions off the track at Donington, hitting the tyre wall and hitting the Armco at Prescott Hill Climb. Not major dents, but mm. uh, all little bits of patina that uh, have... Uh, been um, accumulated o over the uh, forty odd years that I've used it, and um, yeah. I think the the, the last uh, the last journey, big journey that it it made, uh, was was a thirteen country tour around the Baltic, uh, and uh, it took quite a hammering on the Latvian roads, various other places in, in Poland and uh, Lithuania and so on, and uh, 
So um, I'm actually decided last month to give my Jupiter a bit of serious attention. So today I've been down the garage. Um, uh, the, the body's off, the chassis's there, all, right. all nicely painted. And, uh, yeah, it's a complete... Um, Got her in dry dock then. <laughs> bare, bare metal uh, uh, bolt restoration. So after, uh, I think it's 40... Seven years of ownership. I've, forgot, I've finally got round to it. Well, there you go. So, I, I noticed you had some other cars around the few of the years as well. Didn't yes, I mean my, my my Jupiter was my first car, but when it when the gearbox um, went, um, I, I, I went out and bought a very practical car, which was a three quarter race cam uh, MGA sixteen <laughs> hundred, yeah. uh, which was uh, not very practical, but great fun once you sorted out when to change the gears um, and. Uh, we also had uh, somehow accumulated three half-working bubble cars that uh, I-, I used. I think my, my wife used them, and my um, brother-in-law used used them as well. But um, were they yeah, Isaacs Iser- there was, Iser- what, or Messerschmitts? Or there was a, a Heinkel, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Messerschmitt, uh, and uh, Trojan. <laughs> I interviewed the lady from the Bubble Car Museum up near Boston. Uh, yes, they've, they've become very popular. I mean, I've I've, I've seen them sort of down at Goodwood and, and, and been to a few auctions recently, and they're actually getting very expensive. You know, they're getting 20, 20 grand now, some of them. I mean, incredible prices for, for bubble cars and so on. But there it we is. go. No, it's amazing. Yeah, so um, so my workshop has, has got that uh, bit of work going on, and uh, also has as a javelin, which had been imported um, from New Zealand by a, a Swiss friend of mine, and um, I drove it, or helped drive it back from Switzerland to go to a, a, a rally in Wales. Uh, um, the guy decided he wanted to have it painted, uh, but that's turned into a full restoration because the, the bangs that we were hearing were actually quite serious flaws in the uh, <laughs> in, in the rear suspension. So uh, it's, it's been a full body off uh, restoration. And, uh, like, I guess, all cars that have been used for so long, particularly in New Zealand where the roads are not particularly brilliant, um, the, the the car had uh, needed some attention, and that's what we're giving it anyway. Yeah, I, and, I, um, I noticed that you've mentioned that it's um, or the there's a documented um, path of the restoration on the Jarrett talk under the topic early javelin restoration. If someone wants to look at that, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, we 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 got that, uh, and um, back on the sort of other cars that I had. Mm. I mean, uh, I nearly bought an E-type Jaguar, um, and. Uh, uh, from a fellow Jarrett owner, which he bought, imported a, a couple from the USA. Sadly, I decided uh, not to buy not to buy it uh, because I didn't want to, two sets of spares. I thought they'd all get jumbled up. I'm not particularly organised, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that would have helped the re- that would have helped the retirement fund now. I thought. <laughs> yes, um, I mean, I've always, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I, I sort of, I think I've been, I had a, a riding one in in, in the. Uh, in the 60s, uh, and um, there are, are probably the, the most sexy car that's ever been made, I think, but there yeah. we go. It is, it is a, a big regret. But, uh, yeah. um, even, even stated by Enzo Ferrari that that's the case as well. So, right, know, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah, he said yeah. it's the most beautiful car he'd ever seen, including his. Um, the reason I say that, I'm reading a book about him at the minute, and that was just one of the things that just popped into my head when you mentioned the e-type so if he likes it i guess it must be okay or like yeah uh, and the other car that um I sort of acquired was um i thought I'd, I'd i'd buy buy one for my daughter when she was one year old um and i bought a basket case of the rare jarrett sc jupiter 
I don't think there are only 69 of these made, so it's fairly rare. Uh, and um, I had the intention of restoring it for 18th birthday. Uh, that didn't happen because I started racing. Um, club members had helped me restore it, and we got it. Got it. The chassis was done, but nothing else. And um, and it was languishing in the garage for for a, a while. And my daughter came round when she was 30, uh, and offered to help finish restoring it, which uh, she did. And two years later, with once again help from Jarrett friends, uh, during some long evenings uh, because we were all working at the time. Um, and the car won uh, Classic and Sports Car Car of the Year, um, which you can also read about uh, in the blog on the Jarrett Talk uh, website forum. Yeah, you can't do much better than that, can you, to be honest? No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing story. <laughs> it is yeah. impressive. And you got a, there's another one that you she inherited as well from your wife, then. Got some oh, mileage yeah, yeah, on my it. Daughter, my, <laughs> right, yeah, I'd, the, the, I got a, a, a javelin. I'd been um, another Jarrett-owning friend um, uh, lived reasonably close to me, and he was getting old. And I used to take him to all the club events in my car or his. Uh, and uh, when he died, he he sort of offered me first refusal on on his javelin, uh, and uh, bought it and for my wife. And this car had done uh, half a million miles. Um, and uh, he, he was that side broadcast cameraman and then the sort of chief accountant of the BBC so he was quite a guy and uh, he had owned it from you done half a million miles on it and um, uh, we've acquired it and put a probably uh, quite a few uh, tens of thousands and more miles on going to places like the mine and Goodwood that's amazing uh, for the last 15 years that is amazing have you ever um, have you ever had one that you've a car you've sold and you thought the second it's driving off down the road, I really shouldn't have sold that. No, not really. Um, I, I've owned cars which, uh, I mean, I had a, a lovely uh, Subaru uh, Legacy GTB, an amazing car, um, which I imported from for direct Japan because you couldn't buy them over here. Mm. And, and that was an amazing car. I, I didn't really regret selling it. I think I, um, I, I'd had Subarus for, for about 15 years, uh, Legacies and uh, loved every minute of them but i was uh, i was wondering about that because obviously there's a bit of synergy or what you'd like to call it between the the engine etc with subaru and jowett so I, I i wondered whether there was there would be some relationship that that would draw you towards subarus really because of the technology or the design which is um, interesting. yeah I, I i guess so um i i think at the time uh uh, you know, Colin McRae was still whizzing around in the Subarus, which mm. is one of us by bought them there, and they were being voted uh, sort of the best car um, uh, by various uh, magazines and so on. Um, and yes, it, it is a flat four, um, horizontally opposed engine, and um, one or two people have actually fitted them into Jowett's. I did wonder um, about that because I've seen them in VW Bugs. Um, so I wondered whether they would put them in a Jarrett as well. So that, that is yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they've been particularly successful in doing that. But um, and somebody else, I think, has used a, a, a gearbox off a Super and this sort of thing. But it's mm. a major modification to get it all to work. And there's also, I, I think, a little bit of a story that Subaru actually did buy a Jarrett engine in in the fifties. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think they ever sort of copied it. Um, I mean, there are quite a few other um, 
flat four engines around and and there was a lot of uh, exchange of technology i guess uh, in those years between uh, manufacturing companies mm. i mean the jar engines were sent off to to general motors and all this type of yeah. i wondered because I, I i'd read that in my research and i thought i'd get um you to either agree or debunk that one and i i kind of thought you would debunk it because as you say there's plenty of other flat fours around in it so yeah yes i mean i i've i've read um a very interesting document uh, from subaru on the development of their engine um and uh their mantra was balance and Mm. they they had uh they had balance of mechanical balance of heat balance of all sorts of balances uh, and uh, this, this um i think you know it's, a, it's quite a big volume it's a book in fact on development of the subaru engine it's it's really where i guess jarrett might have gone it's time for a break and we'll be back with our guest keith clements shortly Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, Just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We're with Keith Clements from the Jarrett Car Club here in the UK. <laughs> and um, and then uh, we were, we were going uh, going through uh, Lord March's estate and uh, down through the uh, the golf course, and I sort of got the car up to about seventy mile an hour. I left the braking very late coming uh, by the gatehouse. There was a little squeak from the back brake, and I, I put on the put on the anchors. And he said, Sir Sterling said, God, blimey, those brakes are good, aren't they? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, um, the, I, I did tell you that the, this car had been uh, modified quite a lot mm. uh, in period in the 50s by the previous owner, uh, and he'd fitted servo brakes to it. Oh, wow. Um, and sort of 1950s servo brakes, which were... Very advanced. Uh, Yes, uh, and he'd put um, indicators on as well as trafficated with some very complex uh, relay circuitry in it and, uh, you know, electric fan and various other things that he'd put on which um, all sort of improved the car and I guess... uh, showed the way as to as to where the car might have gone if they oh, absolutely uh, there's nothing there's nothing really new there's just different ways of doing things that <laughs> someone hasn't already thought of i think yeah, yeah and uh, you, a... you, you you were sort of talking about what else do i do well uh, you you mentioned about the classic car mm. show where where um we, we've been to that uh, a few years and support on the stand and the, and the restoration show a friend and i who really put it together 
uh, and we've won the um, best working stand there um, for three years running, and I think the organisers are getting quite fed up with us winning this uh, prize every year. Uh, but we put on a fantastic show. You know, we've got a we've got a javelin on a on a, uh, a rotisserie type thing. We've got somebody rebuilding an engine or a gearbox. We've got somebody else perhaps repairing, uh, doing the leather work on a seat. Um, uh, and so on. So we, we we always have something different every year, and uh, we're obviously uh, going for it again this this year in a couple of months. Was time. was that a club stand at the NEC recently as well? Yes, yes yeah. Because yes, I, I, yes. I had a wander around the stand then, which was quite a big crowd round. <laughs> well, it, there eh? were five cars on the stand. Yeah, so, there was a huge yeah. crowd round one of them. I was think it some, a javelin or Jupiter? I think or it was a javelin. I think a javelin. Was, yeah, the yeah. racing one. Yeah. yeah, quite quite a nice nice car. He's done a lot of work to it, and um, the racing boy. I've I've stopped racing but the racing boys have uh, taken the, the car up to the next level mm. um, uh, and the, the, you know the car is now doing 130 mile an hour wow. down the Molzan Strait mm. you know it, it is, it, it's amazing which with a, you know, just a little bit of development work you can do and um, obviously it's still not up to, to Subaru type um, uh, uh, power but um, you know, you're still using you know most of the the original engineering. But yeah, it's it, it's it's brilliant. You know, the time and the money to to put into that sort of development. Oh, absolutely! That's no, great. And, so it's, um, obviously, the the car's been a real entry drug into everything else. Then, by the sound of it, so it's it's given you a whole sort of different life in terms of the social side of it and everything else. Yeah, it's not just a means of transport. I mean, it's been a social tool, as you've seen. It's it's, it's managed to, to grab me a wife, but mm. lots and lots of friends. And, you know, the rallies I've done, you know, I've rushed and chatted up, you know, chatted with many of my heroes, like Sterling Moss, uh, Roger Clark, people like David Steele even, you know, all, all these people who, who, uh, who are quite famous. But when you get them there uh, in that environment, they're just blokes. It's just brilliant to... to well, I, I find um, cars are a great leveller, I think, as an yeah. interest. I, some people I've run into that are quite well-known at car shows and stuff like that, and as you say, they're, they're just interested in the car, they're there to have a look round and, you know, what's this do and all the rest of it. And, I, yeah, no, I agree. It does give you a whole different... It's very relaxing too, you know. You, you understand on the sort of computer-type jobs can be quite stressful, and if you can go home and take something apart or... You know, it gives you a whole different perspective, really, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, my, my, although I, I I did mechanical engineering at university, I actually ended up doing nuclear engineering, which really got nothing to do with mechanical engineering. But And it's always been a hobby. You know, I've never, never right. worked in a garage or anything like that, so it, it's always been a hobby, and it it's a way of, you know, going down my... Uh, man cave and um uh, and, and chilling out really yeah no, absolutely and um, absolutely. and uh, yeah so and plus you know the, the car's given me some incredible thrills i mean i've i've driven on roads that not even the locals know about you know their their forest stages their mountain passes um which you know if you were going on holiday you'd never find um uh, and i've done that you know through uh, say 27 countries basically a huge huge area as well as basically just getting more out of a journey you you know you said you'd been up up the coast the coast road in the states yeah uh but doing it in a 1950s car absolutely really totally different (laughs) you're not in an air-conditioned environment no. You, you, we couldn't book hotels in advance because you never quite know if you're going to get there or not. Um, and um, 
you know so um it it does give the journey a whole different feeling you see things that you don't normally see and as you say it takes you longer to get there and a hill that was a hill that wasn't a hill in your other car is suddenly a big hill in you it's um it does give and when you, a you do break thing. down you meet people you do you suddenly realize how really helpful people are yeah they know, are and, and, and they uh, want to look you know, don't they as well you know the ones can you um give us a bit of a background to jowett itself in terms of the company sure yeah um around about uh, well in 1901 uh, there are two brothers william and benjamin jowett uh, and with their sister ruth they they started uh, the jowett motor manufacturing company they had a capital of about 90 quid at the time 90 pounds that is and they they produced replacement engines for other cars, things like De Dion and so on. They eventually designed their own engine, a two-cylinder horizontally opposed engine, uh, that they first produced in 1905, and they put that in a in a tiller-steered car um, in 1906. They started building cars, uh, complete cars, then in 1910, uh, and the first one they ever built was exported to South Africa um, to a guy who, who wanted to climb table mountain in it it was on a sailor return but it never came back and so no pressure um, then <laughs> incredible <laughs> yes and of course that was the first world war then started and and when that finished uh, they they formed jarrett cars limited found a plot of land um and built a factory in, in idle which is uh, just outside bradford in england and that factory continued uh, basically until till they closed. Now, that engine that they designed, which is a 977cc engine, was used for all their cars, uh, virtually, um, until 1954. Uh, there were some other engines which we'll talk about. During the, um, the pre-war days, uh, the way that they rated or taxed cars was via a, a, a horsepower rating. But although that changed um this actual engine was both a, a six horsepower and eight horsepower and then a seven horsepower um engine now these were quite remarkable cars they they, they were designed to go up the hills in yorkshire which are quite steep and, and they're quite a small engine uh, and quite easy to work on and the british motor car manufacturing companies were challenged to uh, to do a, a cross africa journey so uh, jarrett's put two 1926 jarrett's uh, into this challenge, and they crossed the 3,800 miles between Lagos to the Red Sea in 60 days. Uh, there weren't very many roads then, uh, but they still averaged 30 miles per gallon, and they did about 77 miles a day. Uh, and it's an amazing story. I mean, it's yeah. it's actually very well documented. Um, the club has got the um, the snapshots <laughs> that were taken, the original snapshots I mean, that were uh, taken. As you say, or, you'd probably struggle to do that these days, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably need an armed guard, a, yeah. a tank, uh, and this was all yeah. done without any support. These were two cars without any support. Amazing. You know, uh, no, other, no other Europeans or anything um, yeah. were, were, were there at all. Can-do uh, attitude, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think some of it's rubbed off on me, actually. Yeah, it sounds like it, actually. <laughs> I was just going to say there's a fairly similar <laughs> pattern to the journey there. <laughs> well, the... Um, the Australians uh, have done a similar thing. They drove a, a couple of Bradfords around Australia um, hmm. a, a couple of years ago. That's quite an interesting story as well. The, the, the two cars were, were called Wait and Sea. <laughs> so on one of them they painted Wait and on another they painted Sea. But I guess one of my ambitions would be to recreate that journey yes. at some stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so carrying on with the, the story of Jarrett, that's the, sort of the, the sort of pre-war stuff. I mean, various bodies and chassis were built around these two-cylinder engines. They did also produce a four-cylinder option around 1935, and this gave a bit more luxury and obviously a lot more power. I had a lovely drive in, 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 in one of those in New Zealand, uh, through the, the hills in New Zealand uh, a couple of years ago, and it's, it's, a, it's a lovely car. Then, uh, during the war, Jarrett's were thinking, oh, what are we going to do after the war? So that they... Um, hired a guy called um, Gerald Palmer. He joined the company in '42, and he started uh, designing this this brilliant javelin, which uh, has got a luxurious and spacious interior. It's got wonderful suspension. Gerald was brought up in Rhodesia, and so he knew how to design a car for, for rough roads. Uh, the car's got a low centre of gravity. It's actually below the centre of the wheels. Uh, it's got a curved windscreen. One of the first cars in Britain, anyway, had a curved windscreen. And it's got a very low coefficient of drag. In fact, the coefficient of drag wasn't bettered by a production car in the UK until uh, the late 60s. So really quite an amazing car. And uh, that came into production in, in 1948. So designed in 42, actually started production in, in 48. And the war actually lasted a bit longer than they thought it would, I think. Now, they also created the Bradford van after the war using the same two-cylinder uh, 1906 engine design and the Bradford was a very um, popular car, a very profitable car, uh, and uh, it just keeps on going. Um, and it's been in pickup form, and she's been used in lots of different vans. Now, um, I think Jarrett's also realised they needed to, to get a little bit of motorsport. The Javelin was doing reasonably well, but um, they uh, started to talk to ERA. Um, who, based in Luton, they sort of designed racing cars, and, and, and there's a, a guy there, uh, Von Eberhorst, who also designed the Auto Union, who designed the chassis of the Jupiter, which is a um, either a space frame or ladder frame tubular chassis made out of molychrome steel. Uh, really quite paper-thin tubes. Um, uh, quite a nice uh, designer chassis. And they stuck the javelin suspension on that, the javelin engine in it, slightly uprated, and the gearbox. And that was exhibited um, at Earl's Court in 1949. So that's quite a very advanced for its time, because that sounds a bit like the birdcage type cars that, that yes. came later on. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, the auto unions sort of were, were doing very well in, in, in Grand Prix racing um, uh, during, just before the war, so... Abos knew what he was doing, and um, the uh, the Jarrett's actually offered the Jupiter. You can actually drive the car without any body on it, um, and and Jarrett's offered that car to um, all the uh, body uh, designers, makers, and the and the coachwork, coachcraft type people. Um, and it went to, I think, about 30 or 40 um, different um, coach builders um, in Switzerland and all around the UK. Uh, and there's a sort of book about um, all these cars. Yeah, I say there's a, quite interesting to to realise that, that that was a period when when British uh, uh, coachcraft guys uh, had, you know, they had something to work with uh, and made some quite pretty cars. Um, and subsequent to that, you know, people have, have um, got uh, some chass Jupiter chassis and they've put um, modern um, 
uh, fiberglass type bodies on them uh, and um, some of those are, are quite nice as well but it's time for a break and we'll be back with our guest Keith Clements shortly hi this is Steve Ronaldo host of the classic car show on America's web radio uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car consider JC Taylor insurance they've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We're with Keith Clements from the Jarrett Car Club here in the UK. So you can even, if you haven't got a body, um, put a put a sort of modern body on if yeah. you wanted to. Well, it just shows you what the how good the foundation was, though. I think that's the that's the key to it, isn't it? Yes, and. Um, the the thing about the Jupiter is that uh, I think, as I said, the chariots realised that they, they wanted to get into motorsport, and the third Jupiter they produce uh, went out and it, it won its class at Le Mans in 1950. Um, uh, and uh, they, they went, entered it the the next year, and it won again, and the next year, and, it, and, and uh, not the same car, but a slightly different car. Uh, uh, and so Jarrett's won the, the Le Mans um, 1500cc class, three years running which is quite outstanding until the sort of Porsches came along um, and now to celebrate that my Jupiter was exhibited in the slow uh, in the showroom at, at the mall in in 2000 as for celebration at the um, in the Club de l'Ouest uh, um, uh, clubhouse basically it, it took a little bit of pressure that's one that's an, another time that I actually did a better preparation for it just to make oh, it that. <laughs> but it was yeah. still driven there you got to realize it was still driven there no. Stuck and yes, so uh, so that was it. That the they also had success uh, in motorsport with a javelin uh, uh, in Spa racing and in various rallies. And one of these, the Tulip Rally or Tulpen Rally, as it is in Dutch, um, was run won outright by Hugo van Zylen van Nijveld. Um Now he was a sort of Dutch ar- aristocrat, and he won it outright in 1953, not a class win. Um, oh. And amazingly, um, uh, the, he um, was invited to rerun it 50 years later in 2003. And, and uh, I uh, helped prepare a car for him, a javelin, uh, and I navigated for him on this journey. And it was it's quite an amazing journey because uh, when he saw the car, he'd not 
driven a Jarrett or really anything competitively since. He got in the car and his huge beaming smile as he sort of started to remember uh, about this car. I bet. Uh, and um, to see him overtaking much more powerful cars, um, uh, and this was in July, there was still snow on the road and there were wet leaves on the road and he was sliding it around the corners. It was quite incredible, you know, to, to navigate uh, for a guy like that. Yeah, what, anyway. a thing, what a thing, what been brilliant. So of course, you know, he, that's 50 years since he won it, so, you know, he was quite old. Yeah, so, Jarrett's were doing quite well in, in motorsport, and, uh, however, um, the Korean War was still going on, and uh, uh, EN36 gear steel uh, started was was just un- unavailable and um jack boxes uh, started giving problems they also were were building these uh, boxes on old tools that were worn out through war production and uh, I, I learned this um because the um the company that eventually bought the plant international harvesters had the same problems with the the gearboxes using um <laughs> using the same equipment so uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it, quite incredible when you think how, how underfunded uh, things were in those days mm. um also um the the bodies for the javelin were, were made by uh, briggs who eventually became part of the ford motor company yes yeah. uh, and um because of the poor sales sort of negotiations with briggs um sort of stalled i mean i think what happened to jarrett's um wanted to stop production for a while and Briggs didn't like that and so on anyway Mm. um, although they had designed uh, quite a radical new idea they actually built a whole range of cars based on the same engine same chassis and and it was called the CD range uh, and this was to to be commercial vehicles pickups and so on saloons uh, and also sports cars all on the same common design uh, a few prototypes were made, about four or five of them, um, but uh, it never went into production. Um, and the company was sold, it was still in profit, uh, but the factory actually closed in 1954. Now, interestingly, every year the club hosts um, a reunion for the uh, ex-employees of Jowett's. Now, there oh. still are some, um, oh. even after this time, and uh, we've been holding this for quite a few years. Uh, and it's amazing to to uh, see all these people uh, reminiscing about their about their times working in jail. Is that is that near the near or at the factory site? Or? It's in Bradford. Yes, we we hold it in the centre of Bradford. Um, the uh, the factory is now a, a Morrison supermarket. Um, which uh, and if you go there, you'll find there is a, a sort of uh, a montage or a wall um, dedicated to Jarrett's there. So there is a little bit of a bit of memorabilia there but yes and um yeah the, the jack reunion is uh, is quite something so if you i think it's in august but to have a look at the website it'll be oh, posted excellent. there okay you can you, you'll see quite a few uh, getting a bit getting quite near the end now i'll just give have a quick whip through and just let us know um what you have in the way of publications etc do you have like a regular magazine or anything like that or yeah the um the we have a, 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 a great ed, um, magazine that comes out every month. It's it's about thirty or forty pages, um, and uh, um, that uh, that's we've got about uh, about six hundred uh, members, I guess. And uh, so it's not it's not a large club, um, 
and uh, we also have um, uh, the clubs organised into uh, well, there are a number of clubs around the world. There's one in in the UK, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Americas. Now, all those clubs do have sort of into some international members. Um, the one in the UK is is probably the largest. Well, it is the largest. Um, and it's organised into regional sections, and uh, there are um, about nine of those around the country. And each section organises its own local events. Um, but we also have a national event once every year held usually or always over May Bank Holiday, uh, the end of May or the beginning of June. And um, uh, that's that goes around the country so each section sort of organizes uh, an event which means we get to see different parts of the country um uh, and um yeah we've got a um a a voluntary uh, or sorry we've got a a spare service um manned by voluntary officers uh that can supply parts for all the models as you can imagine this is quite an unusual club in the sense that it's got models from uh, 1906 to 1954, so quite a range of cars. It's it's not a one model car. It's no, absolutely. Car. I mean, I, I was trying to think of a company that I could think from from the American market that was similar and had a similar longevity. And uh, the only one I could think of really was Studebaker. Yeah. Because they yes. went a similar time span and had a the same sort of loyalty as well. <laughs> so it was yeah, that was the the. The company I was comparing yeah, if you look it with at the, the designs most. of the Studebaker, they're very yeah. similar to the Javelin. Actually. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was yeah. the the two I could compare it with. That was the one that popped into my head. So, no, that was really interesting. What are the future plans with the club? Do you have anything new coming up? Or, um, well, we've got our hundredth anniversary coming up in a few oh. years' time. So we're actually planning some some quite impressive things for that. I mean, we did quite a few good things in the in the ninetieth year. We sort of won Club of the Year then. So. Uh, um, yeah, um, you know, there are things we're thinking about, well, okay, what would have a Jarrett looked like um, mm. uh, uh, sort of 50 years on uh, from w- when it closed? So, yeah, we, we could uh, look at that. Um, we'll probably be holding celebrations for um, around the country every month, so there'll be something going on that, that will uh, excite the press, I guess. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, during, during that time. Um, I think the, the the main drive at the moment is to try and get younger members. I think the the problem with all classic car clubs is that 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 they they tend to be uh, people in in their uh, sixty and over. Although yeah. we've got um, a few members that are, that are younger than that, we really would like um, like more. And uh, what's even more important is to get them involved in the um, in the in the committees in the running of the club. Um, I mean, you know, most of, most of the people on the committee at the moment they were on the committee before they were thirty. Uh, oh well, wow. <laughs> you, you know, uh, and like myself, you know, um, you know, I, I was uh, I was sort of thirty when when I when I joined the committee, uh, and uh, and why you know why can't we get you know that age group of people uh, uh, involved in, in uh, no, I, I agree and one of, one of the sort of um, hobby horses of the guys that I do the show with is the, the greying of the hobby 
and one of their things is really to try and promote you know uh take a grandkid to a car show uh etc just to try and get you know some young sort of blood back into the hobby really or into the hobby so i think there is signs of it um i must admit i think there was a bit of a time where there wasn't too many youngsters looking at it but they see i see more people with kids at car shows these over the last few years and i have done for quite a while so hopefully that interest will continue um because yeah, we, we, you know. we've um i think there's certainly the interest in older things I mean, we see this at goodwood people love the fashion of the cars Absolutely. they love the look of the cars uh, and that sort of thing um uh, and I, I think there will always be that in in, in the classic car movement yeah. but you still need you know people to keep the cars going um yeah. and um and the mechanics and the restorers around there and i certainly think that that industry uh, has has certainly been brilliant in the last few years it, 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 it's it, yeah. it's actually you can get almost anything done these days yeah i mean like things like uh, i interviewed um a gentleman who runs bista heritage a while back um and that that's a real blueprint i think if they can get more campuses like that where you've got like a one-stop shop for all the restoration things that you might need where they can make you upholstery or you know make yeah. a part on a lathe or something like that and i think the more places there are like that people are more willing to to go there and because there's a bit of a one-stop shop mentality these days isn't there and i think that well, if you can get it all in one place then that that would help yeah i mean i i, I try to help i i, I have I, I, in my workshop, I, I, I invite members to come along and, and we all share our ideas and that sort of thing. Um, I'd like to take it a little bit further in some ways. Uh, I've got friends in, in Denmark. They've sort of got a hangar on an airfield. Uh, and um, the, all the classic car enthusiasts have a little bit of space in this big hangar. Mm. Not all the same make a car, but that they all share their skills. Uh, and that's brilliant. I've seen a similar thing in Western Australia, where um, the stores are, are managed um, by uh, four lots of different makes of cars. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I, I'm feeling that that might start happening. You're right. I think that's a, that's a definite direction for it to go, because, I mean, they do it in the States now. Right, right. I, I, I think we've kind of got to the end now, actually, so it's been, been great, great Kevin. Well, time I, today, I, Keith. And it's been a really I hope interview. the listeners will go out and uh, look at the website, Jarrett.net, yep. and um, uh, and get interested in Jarrett's. And if you've got any questions, just uh, uh, go via the contact page on Jarrett.net, and yeah. I'll answer them. I'd like to say thanks very much to Keith Clements from the Jarrett Car Club here in the UK. Come back and listen to us soon. Goodbye. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.